Welcome to All Things with Jen Oshman, where we look at current events and trends through a Christian lens. All things were created through Jesus and for Jesus, so we're seeking to apply his word to what's happening here and now. This episode of All Things is brought to you by Crossway, publisher of the new book, Impossible Christianity. Why following Jesus does not mean you have to change the world, be an expert in everything, accept spiritual failure, and feel miserable pretty much all of the time by Kevin DeYoung. The Apostle Paul described the Christian life as a race, but to many believers, it feels more like a punishing obstacle course. Fearing they'll never be able to do enough or give enough or be enough, they see themselves as spiritual failures. But scripture offers good news. Even in ordinary life, Christians can be faithful, fruitful, and pleasing to God. Impossible Christianity by bestselling author Kevin DeYoung offers hope for those who feel like Christianity has become hopelessly crushing and complex. Through biblical wisdom and engaging personal stories, Kevin DeYoung challenges the misconception that we need 40 hours in the day just to be good Christians. By reflecting on what Jesus actually taught about Christian discipleship, readers will be newly encouraged to pursue single-minded devotion to God and find lasting joy in a life of sincere and simple obedience. Pick up a copy of Impossible Christianity wherever books are sold or visit crossway.org forward slash plus and get 30% off with your Crossway Plus account. Well, all things listeners, you are in for a huge treat today. We are kicking off this fall 2023 season of all things with perhaps my most important guest and topic ever. In just a few minutes, you'll be hearing from Johnny Erickson Tata. I say she may be my most important guest ever because Johnny abides deeply in the Lord Jesus. And in spite of deep suffering and daily pain, she leans heavily on the Lord. Her suffering leads her toward Jesus, not away from him. And everyone suffers. So we all have a ton to learn from Johnny. And she's going to point us so well to God and to his word. But before we hear from her, I want us to think about how we in the U.S. or in the West respond to suffering. As a culture, what do we believe about suffering? What causes it? And how should we best cope with it? So to get us started, I've got some sociological data for us. The Pew Research Center conducted a study asking everyday Americans to state, in your own words, why do you think terrible things happen to people through no apparent fault of their own? So among U.S. adults, 35% responded by saying they see suffering as random and inescapable. Many wrote simply that life happens. More than one in 10 adults said that misfortune is God's will. And then less than one in 10 pointed to themes of things like free will or sin or evil, Satan or fate. And lastly, 4% saw hardship as an opportunity for growth and perspective. So the bottom line here is that the largest group of Americans see suffering as random. Like they said, life just happens. There's no reason. There's no explanation. Hard things just come. Okay, well, looking at other data about suffering published by Gallup, poor life ratings amongst Americans are at an all-time high. So Gallup conducts a life evaluation index every year. And the percentage of Americans who evaluate their lives poorly enough to be considered suffering was 5.6% last year, which is the highest since the index's inception in 2008. Additionally, 48% of Americans say they're stressed every day, and 43% say they're plagued by worry every day. 
So I think you could look over both time and space and say, we in the West now live in probably the most healthy, most secure and safe, most wealthy time ever in the history of humans. And yet we don't have an awesome response to suffering. I think if we're honest as a people, we want to end suffering before it even starts. Um, So one illustration of this, one way this is reflected is how in many Western nations, we seek to end the lives of babies in utero who may be born with a disability. When parents undergo prenatal testing and hear that their baby may have, for example, Down syndrome, um, in Iceland, nearly 100% of those babies are terminated. In Denmark, it's 98%. In France, it's 77%. And here in the U.S., 67% of babies that parents here may have Down syndrome are killed in utero. So we equate here Down syndrome with suffering, and we want to end that life before it even starts. Another telling cultural trend is that we seek to numb our suffering through drug and alcohol use and abuse. So 10% of all Americans ages 12 and over have alcohol use disorder. That's one in 10. And that includes 12 years old and older. 14% of Americans 12 and over have used illegal drugs in the last month. 21% of people 12 and over have used illegal drugs or misused prescription drugs within the last year. Clearly, when we suffer, we want to feel better, and we want to feel better fast, and numbing our pain through drugs and alcohol is culturally acceptable and sometimes even fashionable. One area that I'm most concerned about when it comes to suffering, though, and I've spoken about this before on all things, is the increasing cultural acceptance and legality of assisted suicide. Because we as a people don't have a robust response to suffering, we are increasingly in favor of laws and medical procedures that allow us to end our own lives rather than to persevere through pain. Assisted suicide first gained notoriety almost a decade ago in 2014 when Brittany Maynard, a 29-year-old then uh, with brain cancer and a terminal diagnosis, she moved from California to Oregon so that she could end her life under Oregon's Death with Dignity Act. On November 1st, 2014, this is what Brittany wrote on her social media right before ingesting a fatal dose of doctor-prescribed medication. This is what she said. Today is the day I have chosen to pass away with dignity in the face of my terminal illness. This terrible brain cancer that has taken so much from me, but would have taken so much more. So we see there in Brittany's words, our strong cultural value that sickness and suffering are a taking away rather than a contributing to. To be sick or to be less than fully able to face a future of increasing pain and disability, that's something that we dislike and we reject and we want to do away with before we even consider what we're really getting rid of. Physician-assisted suicide is now legal in 10 states, California, my own Colorado, Hawaii, Montana, Maine, New Jersey, New Mexico, Oregon, Vermont, and Washington, and also the District of Columbia. In most cases, patients have to have a terminal illness and a prognosis of six months or less to live, and then their doctors can legally prescribe medications to bring about their deaths. According, though, to the state of Washington 2020 Death with Dignity Act report, so a report they conducted on physician-assisted suicide in 2020, people who chose this most commonly listed as a concern their decreasing ability to engage in activities that make life enjoyable. Fewer than half listed pain control. So in other words, not being able to do what others can freely do is the primary driver behind assisted suicide, at least in the state of Washington. 
So I want to turn now, as we've pondered some statistics and sociology when it comes to suffering in the U.S., let's turn now from this cultural data and hear from Johnny Erickson Tata. In regards to suffering, Johnny says this, the process is difficult, but affliction is not a killjoy. I don't think you could find a happier follower of Jesus than me. God shares his joy on his terms only, and those terms call for us to suffer in some measure like his son. I'll gladly take it. Well, welcome everyone to All Things with Jen Oshman. And today I am thrilled to be joined by my sister in the faith, Johnny Erickson Tata. Johnny, welcome to the podcast. Oh, absolutely, Jen. And of course, a hearty welcome to um, your followers. It's always great to have a chance to speak into the hearts of new friends. Amen. Yes. Well, we are so, so glad you're with us, Johnny. Um, I want you to know that I have been following you closely for the over two decades that I have been a Christian. I was introduced to, I think you on maybe radio, Christian radio decades ago, and I haven't stopped just really benefiting and growing from when, whatever you have spoken or written down. And so I thank you for serving me and serving the church in that way. It's so good to have you. Well, uh, if there's anything that I can say today that would uh, strengthen the hearts of those listening, then um, my disability and all the trappings that go with it is it's more than worth mm. it. Johnny, could you introduce yourself to everybody? Could you share your story so that everybody knows who they're listening to and a little bit about your background? Well, uh, probably many of your listeners know that uh, I'm a quadriplegic in a wheelchair, I can't use my hands or legs. That uh, is a result of a diving accident. I, um, I, I took, what, f- 56 years ago this week, my goodness. And uh, as you can imagine, I was terribly depressed, um, so full of hopelessness, wanting to kill myself, mm-hmm. wrenching my head back mm-hmm. and forth on the hospital pillow, hoping to break my neck up at some higher level and thereby kill myself. And I, I just could not see a purpose for going on. Mm. But um, God rescued mm. me. And he did that through the kind friends of uh, their prayers, their um, hospital visits, their um, bringing into my bedside uh, 17 magazines, pizza, uh, Winchell's donuts, you, you name it. Uh, they were just they were kind friends who showed me the love of Christ. And even though I was angry at God, um, their friendship uh, was so solid, so thoughtful and generous that they won the right to be listened to. And so um, it was my friends who were the ones who pulled me up out of discouragement. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Jen, it's an evolving story. That was 56 years ago. Um, and I'm still dealing with ups and downs connected with my disability. Just a few months ago, I was in the hospital for 25 days with uh, a serious respiratory illness. And so God is always pushing me uh, a little bit further down the line, a little bit uh, closer to the cross of Christ, that hard, rocky, blood-stained road to Calvary, mm-hmm. where most of us are uh, naturally uninclined to go, but in our suffering and our hardship, that's how 
that's how we get there. Yes. So I'm still on that journey. I haven't finished it yet by any means. I love that. You know, Johnny, I actually have a 17-year-old daughter who underwent um, a spinal fusion earlier this summer. And I resonate so much with what you say and what you have written in that my encouragement to her and the constant conversations we had were not so much surrounding, oh, thankfully we have this good medical technology. Oh, probably you'll be okay. Oh, statistically, this will probably be fine. You know, as tempting as it was to go there, what I kept rehearsing to myself and to her is God is faithful. He will be with you. He is enough. And um, in your suffering, he will draw you near to him. And that's that's just something you have preached over many of us now for 56 years. Um, and it's a, it's a message that doesn't doesn't ever let you down, does it? No, it doesn't. Um, you know, many years ago, and even when I was 17, and uh, listening to these friends as they opened up their Bibles next to my hospital bedside, I thought that God was doing, uh, uh, you know, a transformative work uh, solely for my sake, to make me more patient, to make um, me more kind to others, uh, to deepen my prayer life, to, um, you know, give me a, a, a love for his word. And over the years, Jan, I think I've discovered that suffering, our suffering is mainly, um, if, what, what can I say? It is mainly to push us down that road yeah. to Calvary yeah. where we get to know Jesus and this incredible man of sorrows mm-hmm. who went through so much, mercifully dying for us uh, in our stiff-necked, stubborn, um, rebellious, you know, selves, there he is giving himself. And, and so my suffering is, it acquaints me better with, with my savior, Jesus. Mm -hmm. And that is a good thing. So suffering benefits me. Yes. I, I, you know, patience, perseverance, endurance, courage, um, self-control, all these things that are a result of, uh, of holding fast to God's word and suffering. But mainly, I think it's that we come to know Christ better. And so I'm, I'm still doing that, still learning that. And I've got, like I said, a ways to go. Well, I'm so thankful that you are still doing that and that you're sharing that with us because I think it is a wildly countercultural message. And it's certainly one that runs counter to my own flesh. I do not want to embrace suffering. I don't want to go toward suffering. And yet, as you have said, and I would love to hear you talk a little bit more about it, it is the tool in our Savior's hand that perhaps acquaints us best with him or allows us to identify best with him, perhaps. Um, but we're so opposed to suffering. Could you speak into that, you know, in, in terms of our cultural value of pursuing comfort and safety and security and running away from suffering? Help us think right, rightly. You just, right. Well, you just said it. Basically, we are, we are discontent. Um, with suffering, with affliction, with the bad medical report, with the deep disappointment, with the loss of a loved one, with a marriage that goes awry. I mean, we we don't want any of this and we see no good in it. But yet these are the things that break us, that bring us to the end of ourselves. These are the things that empty us of ourselves. And we, we stand bewildered. Where do I go? Well, that's where we find Christ. Uh, God um, meets and transforms us through our sufferings. And that's why we're called to glory in them. That's where we find purpose. It's where we find hope. Um, but 
find that purpose and hope on our own, it, it takes it takes a degree of brokenness. Um, grace always is poured into the, the lowest places of our lives. Uh, it seeks the lowest level, grace does. And uh, so when we are at our lowest, when we come to the end of ourselves, then in a way we find ourselves uh, because we find Jesus. Um, we, our culture doesn't want to live that way, though. We want to we want to anesthetize suffering. We want to uh, drug it. We want to escape it. Um, we want to uh, divorce it or institutionalize it or surgically uh, get rid of it. We want to do everything but actually live uh, with suffering. Mm -hmm. And yet again, th this is the way that God acquaints us with the man of mm -hmm. sorrows um, who... Mm, who suffered on our behalf. And so um, I'm, I'm just grateful that, uh, that God keeps pushing the envelope in our lives and causing us to run to him out of the desperate awareness that we have nowhere else mm. to go. We have nowhere else to turn to. Lord, you've got the words of life. So please, please help me. And that's, that's a good thing. I, 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 Jen, I wake up in the morning and you've heard me say this. And after 56 years of quadriplegia, you think I'd be used to this, but I'm not. I deal with chronic pain, um, this respiratory uh, challenge, and of course, hands that don't work and feet that don't walk. And I'm thinking, Jesus, I am so tired. I have no strength for this. I can't do this. And then I, I, I remember, but you can. I can do all things through you. Um, who Christ who strengthens me. And so in that regard, uh, that, that's a good way to wake up in the morning. It's a, it's a great way. It's a Christian way to live, to constantly need Jesus desperately. And were it not for affliction, I just don't think we'd, we'd be there. Yes, absolutely. Thank you for sharing that, Johnny. I think, you know, even as you're speaking, I'm just reminded it, it disciples me. It helps me renew my mind because this is the message of our word, and this is the message and the truth of our God. And yet we exist in a culture that disciples us otherwise day in and day out. And so what you say is so striking and so counter to the way we normally talk and think. Um, and so I'm really grateful to have my mind renewed and to be reminded of what's true. How do you absolutely? How do you persist in that, Johnny? I mean, 56 years in, Praise God, that remains true. What are some of the practices and habits of your life that have allowed you to stay in the truth? Well, um, I love the word of God. I memorize the word of God. I love singing about the word of God. I, because that, that's my context for reality. That is the lens through which I... Um, look at my circumstances around me and have defined for me what is real, what is true, what is right, how am I to live, how am I to move forward. And uh, so I, I boast in the weakness. Um, my life is hard, but Philippians chapter 2 verse 14 says, do everything without complaining. That's amazing, mm. but the Bible actually thinks we can go through life without complaining. So I've got to believe that, and I'm going to act like that. I'm going to live like that. And so, like I shared a moment ago, I 
wake up in the morning and I say, Jesus, I cannot do mm. this. Uh, I need you. Um, help me. And 56 years of doing that virtually every single morning. And it is a good habit to have because it is one in which I am, am in constant reliance upon the Lord Jesus. Uh, and, and besides, when I think of what Christ has rescued me from, uh, the darkness that was my past um, before when I was on my feet, mm. proud, reliant, stiff-necked, going my own way, stubborn. And um, I was going down a dark path, uh, heading off to college, and I knew that I would probably recant my Christian faith because I didn't want to be a hypocrite and say I was a Christian on Sunday morning and then Friday night do something else with my boyfriend. And, and uh, so I, I, I was heading down a path of destruction, sp spiritual destruction. But God rescued me uh, before we did this podcast. You were praying and you used those words. Thank you, God, for rescuing us. And mine is a constant rescue. Uh, my salvation is not just when I once believed, but our salvation is every day. Every day, God is rescuing us and saving us and delivering us and keeping us. And all he asks of us is that we come to him in empty-handed spiritual poverty, um, confessing that we just can't do it by ourselves. So in that regard, I boast in my affliction. I delight in my infirmity. Because then I know God's strength rests on me. I'm, I'm not a strong person at all. I'm really very weak. But if I know any anything about myself, it's that I, I, I require Christ, um, hour by hour. Right. So, Johnny, you are a busy woman. I know because you have a ministry. I was um, actually earlier this week, I, I regularly listen to you online, but I, I was skimming some podcasts that you've been on. And my goodness, the search query just went on forever. You are on so many podcasts all the time, including ones that your ministry produces and, and you travel and you encourage people. And Johnny and Friends is an amazing ministry that I definitely want you to share about in a minute. But I can imagine that you do feel that tug in the morning to hop on your computer or get to your to-do list or, you know, just maybe whisper a quick prayer and move on. But it sounds to me like you're very careful to guard your time with the Lord, no matter what is calling for you. Tell us about that because yes. that's really convicting and encouraging. Well, I think my sweetest times with the Lord Jesus are uh, during the nighttime hours when I cannot sleep. Uh, it's why I memorize a lot of scripture because you and I both know that in those mad midnight moments, our our thoughts can um, go astray so quickly. And uh, in the darkness, we we misinterpret reality. And so I, I, I memorize a lot of scripture and I memorize a lot of hymns yeah. uh, because I want... I want my, my heart and my mind um, to um, not be a, a web of chaos. Uh, I, I, I want the scriptures to give my soul an intelligible voice about what's true. And so in the night, um, I sing to the Lord. I quote scriptures back to him. Um, uh, Jesus, I am resting, resting, or, 
or maybe I'll quote to him from, uh, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. I know I'm doing my soul good when I speak to God that way. And so these are the disciplines that I practice. Um, a lot of memorization, uh, wheeling out the front door on the way to work. I most often will uh, say, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord God Almighty. I mean, I, I, okay, here, here's, uh, it says in the Bible, to the pure, all things are pure. And what does that mean other than when our hearts are toward Christ, we see everything as through the eyes of Christ. Everything is sanctified. That is, we can set apart everything as a reason to glorify him, um, whether it's uh, the flowers blooming outside on my sidewalk or a hot cup of coffee in the morning or a smile from my husband or uh, a letter from a friend. I mean, everything uh, can be sanctified, set apart for the Lord. So I think when we memorize scripture, when we stick in God's word, when we, um, like I do, memorize um, the stanzas of, of rich, doctrinally rich hymns, um, we're training our minds to think and react a certain way to disappointments or hardships. Yes. And we end up sanctifying those things around us as reasons to praise God and thank Him for His goodness. So those are my disciplines. I just a lot of a lot of memorizing every morning and afternoon because of a recent respiratory illness. I have to uh, do chest percussion therapy. It's a, a big vest that straps around me and, and it bangs on my chest and it. It helps dislodge any bugs that might be down there in my lungs. And, and so these are 15 minutes in the morning and 15 minutes in the afternoon that, that are very uncomfortable. Um, and I have to confess, the first couple of weeks I had to do this, it was depressing. It's like, Jesus, I, I deal with paralysis. I do not know that I can deal with this. But then I thought, wait a minute, this is not a detour. This here is the main highway that God has me on right now for discipline, for training, for purpose and hope. And so I asked my husband to open up the Bible by the bed. And while I'm sitting there, you know, getting my chest thumpered on, in fact, we call the machine thumper, um, I've just been memorizing and it's been so sweet. I, I now look forward to mm. it, which is so strange, mm. but that's how... Um, the Word of God can change our thinking yes. and give us God's perspective on reality. Amen. You said just then, in the darkness, we, um, let's see how I wrote it down. I don't want to um, misstate it. You said, in the darkness, we misinterpret reality. And prior to that, you said the Bible is the lens through which you see life. It, it helps you to see what is true. And so, of course, memorizing the Word of God helps us to see rightly. Um, but I love those quotes, just kind of grabbing on to those. And um, not only do you memorize scripture, but I know from hearing your story for years that you memorize hymns. And you've mentioned that, that songs are so important to you. And um, I've had a chance to look at your beautiful book, Songs of Suffering, 
25 hymns and devotions for weary souls. And it is a balm for the soul. This, this book is a balm for the soul. And these songs are as well. I would love to hear more about your life with music. Have you always been drawn to music? Have you always been a singer? And what is it about hymns in particular? Well, uh, I think for me growing up uh, in a family where we loved hymns and I had sisters who could sing. And so with my parents, we would four-part harmony our ways through uh, all kinds of hymns. These were just things that that were just part of the culture in which I grew up. Um, driving to church, driving home from church, we would uh, we would sing. And there's something about singing I don't know. It's it's it it resonates. Mm. It's got a resonance. Mm. Um, it 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 reverberates within us on a on a soulful level. It 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 can relax mm. us. Singing can uh, singing hymns. That's why we so easily cry when we hear mm. beautiful music. Um, it makes us instantly remember a time and a place. Music can, and so for me, hymns remind me of my childhood. Um, they evoke very sweet memories. And besides, there's so much rich doctrine in great hymns of the faith. And Jen, in those moments when I am so much in pain, I can hardly put two thoughts together in a sentence. It helps to fall back on songs that I have memorized. I once heard someone say that Christians are the sort of people who sing at midnight. And that's so true. I mean, we, we, uh, David in Psalm 42, when he was near depression, he wrote at night, your song is with me. And then even uh, Paul and Silas in Acts 16, um, when they lay in prison, beaten and chained, um, fellow prisoners heard them singing. And even Jesus um, on the night he was betrayed in that dark hour when he faced unthinkable suffering. He, he sang again with his friends uh, before he went to the cross. And that's an example to us. We should be the kind of people who sing at midnight. Um, and I, I think one reason is, is because songs have a way of turning our misery into prayer. Um, great hymns have a way of helping us gather up the chaos that's inside of us. And uh, and give it an intelligible voice before the throne. Um, as I said, there are times I can't put two sentences together in a prayer. I'm, I'm hurting so badly. But my mind can fall back on uh, words that are so ingrained in my heart um, that I can just offer them up to the Lord as a, as a prayer. Um, I, I love... Uh, I love, oh, I know, the other night I was singing, I love to tell the story of unseen things above. And, you know, sometimes I don't feel like I want to tell the story of unseen things above, but I, I know that my emotions will catch up with what words I'm putting out there. And um, so I do that knowing that faith will follow. Yes. So songs have a way of turning my misery 
into prayer. That's a good Mm, thing. Absolutely. This is such helpful guidance and discipleship for all of us in whatever ways we suffer. Um, Things such as our emotions will follow what's true. And I think preparing ourselves in times of Um, at at any time, but not waiting for a moment or waiting for a crisis or something to strike, but being um, proactive and and diligent to know who God is and what his word says and what he's like and doing that through scripture and song. So you've given us really sweet encouragement, Johnny, and I'm so grateful. I Well, Jen, you you have too, because you use that word diligent. Mm. And some of the things we're talking about it requires diligence. It yeah. requires resilience. It requires mm-hmm. perseverance. And sadly, we live in a culture that is doing everything it can to make us undisciplined, mm-hmm. to make us bounce off of circumstances and react with our emotions. We don't know how to apply God's word. We're not, we're not, we're, we embroider it, we put it on a plaque. It exists as a screensaver on our computers or on our iPhones, but we don't know how to live it. And you use the word diligence, and I think I use the word discipline elsewhere. And that's what it takes. Mm-hmm. It takes it takes a purposeful way of looking at life. And no, I will not allow my feelings to define uh, this situation. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm going to look to the word of God mm-hmm. to, to help me define this situation. Mm-hmm. And I want to react the way he wants me to react. So yes. um, thank you. That's a, a good word for yes, me today. So good. Um, Johnny, I would love for the listeners to know about Johnny and Friends. Can you tell us about your ministry? Well, I have been so blessed. And really, Johnny and Friends uh, is an, a ministry, an organization that I started 43 years ago. And uh, we now have a global outreach to people with disabilities around the world, through which the blessings I have received, uh, we can pass on to other people. Mm. Um, I've said this before, but it's so true. People's, people sometimes look at me and say, well, you're different. You're Johnny Erickson Tata. You, you got a house. You, you have a good medical insurance. You got a husband. You got a job, mission to accomplish. You have friends. You, you have an income. I mean, you're you're not like most disabled people. And, and my response to them is, you're right. You're absolutely right. And w- that's why the onus is on me to make certain whatever resources I have, I get rid of them as quickly as I can and pass them on to other people with disabilities who have less than I do. And so we deliver hundreds of thousands of wheelchairs and Bibles around the world. We hold retreats. Uh, for families struggling with disability across the U.S. this summer, we'll have 48 uh, family retreats and getaways for married couples. Um, we do everything we can to make Christ real to people who, who, who can't, can't raise their head above the, the, the waters of disability that overwhelm them and are drowning them in hopelessness. So that's what we do at Johnny and Friends, and I would welcome our friends listening to uh, check out some of our um, support programs at johnnyandfriends.org. And we've got plenty of resources for people whose disabilities are invisible, Mm -hmm. people who struggle with anxiety or fear, or uh, 
people who become disabled through a botched surgery or you know they're laid up in the bed with a twisted ankle I mean, there's all kinds of ways our ministry can encourage and uh and help people get a brighter perspective on their pain i love it johnny and friends we will be linking all of that in the show notes as well as how people can keep up with you um, because there's just so much encouragement there available to us at our fingertips by checking out those websites I would love for you to close us out now, Johnny. There's so much more that we could say. You've already said so much, but perhaps thinking of the person who is suffering, the person who is questioning the Lord, wondering how they will press through a specific scenario that they are burdened with right now. Would you close us with some gospel hope for that person? Well, I'm glad you mentioned the gospel because we are utterly hopeless without Jesus Christ. And when we raise, let's say, a song in the night, um, we're declaring that God reigns over the darkness that we're in, uh, that he is at work in, in the darkness, that God is still worthy of worship in our darkness. So do not be ashamed of the affliction. Uh, let that be the impetus that pushes you down that difficult road to Calvary where Christ died for you. Um, he died to give you strength and power, hope and help. And, and he is the source of it all. So um, I, would, I would leave our friends with, um, oh, let me think. I, I just, there's so many. I'm thinking of uh, Isaiah chapter uh, 41, verse 10. Uh, do not fear, for I am with you, God says. Do not be dismayed. I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you, he says. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That's something to believe today. And God is extending his hand to, to you who are struggling right now and listening. And, 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 and he will uphold you with his righteous right hand, if you would but trust him. Uh, with your with your challenges, whatever they may be. Uh, Psalm 62, uh, verse 8, trust in the Lord at all times. So uh, whether it's a dark time or a, a beautiful uh, sunny day when times seem easy and breezy and bright, um, it's always a good time to trust in Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, we will close with that benediction. Thank you, Johnny, for joining us. Absolutely, Jen. Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks so much for listening to All Things, where we look at current events and cultural trends through a Christian lens. All things were created through Jesus and for Jesus, so we're seeking to apply his word to what's happening here and now.